we're going to launch into uh, a brand new teaching series, and I'm going to be sharing that this series with a number of different people. So you're going to hear, be hearing from a number of folks over the next couple of weeks. Um, so me thinking, hold on a minute, Steve, we pay you to preach. But no, um, I, um, we're going to be sharing the platform uh, and hearing from a number of different people. And so we've been planning this series for a little while now, and I'm uh, looking forward to really diving in and um, uh, getting going with this. And really what we're doing is kind of talking a little bit like a, a theological foundation uh, for what it is we believe God has called us to do and be as a church in our city. that We're, we're, we're calling this series Your Kingdom Come. And uh, we've lifted that straight from the, the scriptures where Jesus teaches his disciples to say, Your Kingdom Come. And, uh, and so before all the madness of Christmas, um, I'm allowed to say Christmas, aren't I? It's October now. Uh, but before all the madness of Christmas, we're going to take some time uh, to think about this theme of the kingdom of God. And many of you would have heard teaching on the kingdom before. Many of you would have heard me teach on the kingdom before. Um, you know, for us as a, as a church, part of this vineyard family of churches, uh, this, this theme of the kingdom is kind of foundational to our understanding of who we are and what we are. It's kind of the, the lens that we see the world through uh, as a church family. And so today I just want to set the trajectory of what we're doing um, and, and really kind of help us all get on the same page. Okay? Does that sound okay? Good church. Good church. Um, I don't know if you've come across on Pinterest this... Um, occasionally you waste time looking at these things. My wife does far more than me. But um, um, I came across a series of pictures of church signs that I think they, they set out to intentionally be quite clever, uh, but actually when, when you read them, they go horribly, horribly wrong. Um, I came across this one. We're all about that grace, about that grace, no devil. Um, if you've got no idea what that means, you're blessed, Okay. <laughs> You're blessed. Um, or what about this one? Jesus is the rizzle for the sizzle. That's the, the gospel according to Honey G. Um, uh, or what about this one? Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. And then this one. Do you know what hell is? Come and hear our preacher. Amen. I know it's... Uh, it's a tough job. It's a tough job. Uh, these, these next three have got a, a theme to them. See if you can pick it up. It says, eternity, smoking or non-smoking. Or this one, some of you might be too young for this. Stop, drop and roll, won't work in hell. And this one, I love this one. Whoever stole our AC unit, keep one. It's hot where you're going. Now I don't know if you've um, I don't know if you've noticed I don't know if you've noticed we we're not going to have any signs like that okay um, hey if I can't have the P goal in the urinals you're not having signs like that um, okay I don't know if you've noticed um, but over the years 
Um, the church has been pretty good at reducing the message of the gospel to a single idea. And that idea is that, is that the gospel of Jesus is, is nothing more than getting to go to heaven when you die, and therefore avoiding hell. That, that somehow this thing that we call salvation has become like a ticket that gets punched and, and kind of just gives us kind of future fire insurance. And, um, and thus, as the Christian experience, um, it, it's reduced to waiting around in rooms like this until Jesus comes and we get to go to heaven. But the problem is, and I, I kind of looked again this week, I can't find anywhere explicitly in the scriptures where Jesus sat his followers down and he said, right then, guys, this is how you're going to get to go to heaven when you die. He just, he, he just doesn't say that. That isn't um, how Jesus' gospel is communicated. He never talked about what we've called a minimal entry requirement into heaven. You get to go to heaven when you die. And so he never did that. But what Jesus did do, and central to his message, is something that he repeated over and over and over again. And the central message to Jesus, Jesus' gospel, was the kingdom of God is near. Now that phrase is used repeatedly in the scriptures. In Matthew's gospel, it's used over 35 times. And in the rest of the New Testament, another 65 times. Let's look at a few examples. Luke 10, 9, the kingdom of God has come near you. Further on in verse 11, yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Luke 21, 31, even so, when you see these things happening, you'll know the kingdom of God is near. Matthew 4, verse 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, interestingly, Matthew always refers to the kingdom as the kingdom of heaven because of the audience he was writing to. But that, that phrase, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, they're, they're synonymous. They're, they're the same thing. And so we see central to Jesus' teaching, the primary thing that Jesus promotes is this availability, this arrival, this access to the kingdom. And it's access to the kingdom for ordinary people like, like you and me. You know, even as we move into the book of Acts, you know, Jesus, he, he appears to his disciples uh, for a period of 40 days. And it says this in Acts 1.3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. A little later on, Jesus, he, he raises up this guy called the Apostle Paul, who, who goes and starts churches all over the place. And we get to Acts 28, 31, and it says this about Paul. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. Now, the passage that we're going to look at and, and really be the springboard for this whole series is, is something I've already alluded to. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 and 10, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we all know, don't we, uh, that that is um, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Many of us have recited it over and over again. You know, um, in schools when they used to pray, we prayed it every single day. But sometimes we can be so familiar with something that we miss its richness. We miss the, the, the nuggets and the, the depth of what is being said. That Jesus, you know, he somehow built in the mission of the church into a prayer without us even realising it. Isn't that amazing? Now, we don't talk about kingdoms too much, although we, we live in a kingdom, don't we? The united kingdom. Um, you know, we, we have a monarchy of sorts. They don't have any power, thank goodness. Um, and, and so by name, we live in a kingdom, um, but we don't always fully understand it. But when the Bible talks about a kingdom, it's essentially talking about a person's effective will, and that we all have, we all have kingdoms. Uh, you know, we all know how to exert our effective will over something. Now, we could reduce that down to ourselves, <laughs> reduce it down to our bodies, that our bodies, we are the masters of our kingdom, or our families, or our extended family, or the community that we live in, or the neighbourhood, or the, or the city that we represent. They're all these kingdoms that we think about where the effective will of a person is exhibited. And the scriptures refer to that convergence of kingdoms as the kingdom of the earth. And and so the kingdom of the earth is the range of the effective will of us here, right now, on earth. How do we feel the kingdom of the earth is going? How, how, how well is it going? You know, we... Um, it's not, it's not doing great, is it? You know, we see thousands of refugees dispossessed. We, we see a, a HIV pandemic uh, in, in Africa. We, we look at the political mess in America, um, and at least 50% of them are crazy. Um, we look at the political mess that's happening here on our doorstep. You know, the kingdom of earth isn't doing that well, the kingdom of earth, the range of of man's effective will being done. And so logically speaking, if the the kingdom is essentially uh, um, the effective will of something being done, then the kingdom of God is where God's effective will is done. And so in the Bible, we see two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the earth. And so Jesus says, when he teaches his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, there are a number of different movie franchises with the word star in. Um, One of them uh, changed my life when I was about five years old, Star Wars. And... um, There is a lesser-known franchise with the word star in. I think it's called Star 
track, trek. Um, some of you may have heard of it. Uh, it's slightly dull. Um, uh, but Star Trek. Um, in Star Trek, I know enough that when anyone gets in trouble, they, they all go to the same person, don't they? They look for Scotty. And, um, and so when anybody gets in trouble in Star Trek, uh, what do they say? Be me up, Scotty. I grew up in church, as many of you might have done. And I think um, as much as I love the church that I grew up in, I was kind of raised on a beam me up Scotty kind of theology. Uh, that, the, that the Christian life is, a, is about waiting for God to beam us up. That this idea that we, we give our lives to Jesus and then we're warehoused in churches until we die or Jesus, Jesus returns and we escape this place. But there's something significant that we learn from this prayer of Jesus. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's not so much beam me up, but it's more what is up there coming down here. So maybe your kingdom come, maybe God's kingdom crashing into the kingdom of earth is not so much how do I get out of here, but rather how does up there come down here. Tim Keller, he says this, commenting on Revelation 20, 21 and 22, he, he says this, he, he says, Revelation 21 and 22 makes it clear that the ultimate purpose of redemption is not to escape the material world, but to renew it. God's purpose is not only to save individuals, but to inaugurate a new world based on justice, peace, and love, not power, strife, and selfishness. Tony Campolo, he says this, God's kingdom is a new society that Jesus wants to create in this history, not after the second coming or a future apocalypse or anything else, but right now. Making what's up there come down here. And Tom Wright, one of my favourite theologians, he says this, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonise earth with the life of heaven. That, after all, is what the Lord's Prayer is all about. And so we see that we've kind of skewed our understanding of the kingdom, haven't we? We think it's about escaping this place and going to this other place. But God makes it clear. Jesus makes it clear. The kingdom is coming. Raises the bar for every single one of us. And he says that the kingdom of God should be all about what we be our number one thing. He says this in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom. And so the kingdom is to be our ultimate pursuit. It's to be the main focus. It's to be the main thing. Yet, if we was to ask any number of us this morning to define the kingdom, and some of you have done the Vineyard Institute course, so I'm not going to ask you, but many of us would have different definitions of the kingdom. 
And many of us would be a bit, little, little bit vague and unsure. It's something to do with the church. Something to... And the, the problem is, is, if something is meant to be our primary pursuit, if something is meant to be the ultimate thing that we give ourselves to, it's kind of helpful, isn't it, for us to be able to define it. And so that's the journey uh, that we want to go on in this series, is just to, to figure out how do we define this thing called the kingdom of God. You know, even, you know, you look through the Gospels and, and there's lots of moments where Jesus said, didn't he, the kingdom of God is like this, where he uses metaphors and pictures and, and stories to describe the nature of the kingdom. You know, the kingdom of God is like a man who sows seed. The kingdom of God is, is like treasure in a field. The, the kingdom of God is like a fish caught in a net. And I think sometimes we read those things and we think, that's a great story, Jesus, but I still don't get it. I still don't fully understand. The best definition of the kingdom I found recently is uh, from a theologian and blogger called Scott McKnight. And he says this, the kingdom of God is the society in which God's will is done. You know, the New Testament often refers back to the Old Testament, doesn't it? And we, and we see this in Jesus. Jesus was often quoting the, the scriptures. And um, when Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God, he often quoted from the book of Isaiah. <laughs> And um, more than anywhere else. And the book of Isaiah is this kind of prophetic message about the coming kingdom, uh, about the coming reign and rule of God. And, um, and one book that's particularly helpful in this is a book called Kingdom, kingdom Ethics. And it's, it's quite a theological book, but uh, if you want to pick it up, you can. But in this book, it, um, they highlight 17 different passages in the book of Isaiah that point to seven themes or signs of the kingdom of God. And and it's over the next seven weeks that we're going to look at these different themes, these signs of the kingdom. They're God's presence, justice, healing, salvation, peace, belonging and joy. And so if we are to make the kingdom our pursuit if we're going to pray for the kingdom to come in increased measure in our lives, in our homes, in our city, then these are the kind of things that the kingdom, the kingdom brings. And so I just want to, to kind of finish up this week, I just want to run through those quickly, uh, those, those seven different things, and then over the next seven weeks we will unpack them a little bit more. And uh, to do that, I actually want to turn to Isaiah 61. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn there if you like. Isaiah 61, and we're just going to look at the first portion of that together. Many of you know that um, when Jesus began his kind of public ministry, when he, he was going and... Um, he went into the synagogue and uh, he, he took the scroll uh, from the attendant and, and he began to read it. And it was actually this passage of scripture that he read. And when Jesus finished reading that, he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
And so as we use this passage to kind of think about the nature of the kingdom, we're remembering that ultimately in the person of Jesus, this is brought into fruition. So Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He's sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and the release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the place long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And so this is a familiar passage to many of us, I'm sure. And and in it, we see, again, these seven themes or these seven signs of the kingdom. And so when the kingdom of God comes... There's always God's presence. God's presence in, in every situation. You know, this passage opens up, doesn't it? And it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And so wherever the kingdom is, is God's presence. The tangible nature of the kingdom is the experience of God being amongst us in our midst. And so the manifest sign of the kingdom the, the, the reason why we know the kingdom is present is because of his presence. And we need God's presence, don't we? We need his presence in our midst. You know, the first thing that happens that after Jesus ascends into heaven is that he, he tells his disciples to wait, to wait in the upper room because he's going to send another. And, and there the disciples receive the Holy Spirit. They receive his presence. And it's his presence that propels them. It's his presence that sends them out. It's, it's his presence that gives birth to this thing called the church. You see, sometimes people confuse the kingdom with the church. But the kingdom isn't the church. But the church is, is, is this thing that outworks because the kingdom has arrived. It's, it's an outpost of the kingdom. So that's the first thing. When the kingdom comes, there's God's presence. When the kingdom comes, there's justice. There's justice for the poor and the most marginalised of society. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And so wherever we find physical or emotional, or financial, or social injustice, when God's kingdom comes, justice is done. Justice is served. You know, every week as a church, we have the privilege and the opportunity to to serve many of Northampton's marginalised and disadvantaged people. And it's when we do that, you know, when we feed the poor... Uh, when, we, when we lend a, a caring ear to someone in distress, when we offer to pray for someone in need, it's in those moments the kingdom is breaking in and justice 
takes place. And we want to be a church that seeks justice for our city, don't we? That we want to see justice come. And when we say we want to see justice come, we're essentially saying we want to see the kingdom come. When the kingdom comes, there's healing. There's healing for the sick and broken. Isaiah says, uh, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Sickness and disease and brokenness and HIV and depression and back pain and cancer, they're all called to bow the knee to Jesus. They're all called to submit to his kingdom. And when his kingdom comes, there's healing. Now, I know some of us are skeptical about that. Some of us, some of us have seen one or two, too many people in shiny white suits. Um, some of us aren't sure. Some of us find it hard to believe. Some of us struggle with this idea that sometimes we pray for the sick and they don't get well, and then other times others do. And often we, we kind of deal with that by thinking about the tension of the kingdom. That the kingdom is present, but it's also yet to come. That there's a present reality to the kingdom, but there's also a final reality of the kingdom to come. And so when we see someone healed, and we celebrate, and we're excited by that, we get a taste of what's to come. Because the one thing I know is, is that one day there's going to be no more sickness, no more pain, no more disease, no more cancer, no more depression. All of that is going to stop. And so when we see someone healed right now in our present, the promise of the future is breaking into our reality. The kingdom is breaking in. We're seeing the kingdom at work. And so the sign of the kingdom is healing. When the kingdom comes, it brings salvation. Salvation for those who don't know him. It says in this passage that, he's called, that God has called me to uh, proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners. And so where the kingdom is, salvation comes. And see, salvation is more than just escaping the clutches of hell. We know that, don't we? That it's, it, it, it's, it's more than that. The Greek word for salvation is sozo, uh, which can mean healing of, in a form of salvation, which can mean healing from sickness as a form of salvation, or deliverance as a form of salvation, or freedom from oppression, or forgiveness from sin. And so the, that word salvation is far more multifaceted than just getting my ticket stamped, than just securing my future. God was doing so much more. In fact, the Hebrew word for salvation is yasser. And it means to bring you into a wide open space. To be brought into a wide open space. And I love that picture of salvation. Don't you? Because it means salvation is more than just getting into heaven. Salvation is this invitation to live life as it was fully intended to be lived. That when the kingdom comes, we're led into a wide open 
space. And Jesus echoes this, doesn't he? Jesus says, I've come that you should have life and life till its fullest. His kingdom comes to lead us into a wide open space. When the kingdom comes, there's peace. The peace, the kingdom brings peace wherever there's chaos, wherever there's anxiety or distress. It says he's called me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. See, the, the kingdom releases the favour of God, which releases his peace. And, and, and that's a peace that the, the New Testament writers talk about, a peace that passes all understanding. Have you ever had someone come to you and say, you know, you're just really peaceful. There's lots of peace around you. Or, you know, there's lots of crazy things going on in your life now and I don't understand why you're so chilled out, why you're so, you're so peaceful. If any of you have ever had someone say that to you, it's because the kingdom has manifested itself in your life in the form of peace. That's the peace that we're talking about. When the kingdom comes, it brings comfort and belonging. Uh, Wherever there's suffering, Isaiah says, um, he says to comfort all who mourn. And so those that are displaced or without a place to call home or, or, or those without a family or uh, are longing for a place to belong, when the kingdom comes, they have the opportunity to find it. And see, the kingdom of God is most evident when the people of God find a home. You know, as, as different people have joined our church community in the last few years, you know, one of, the, one of the things they often say to us is, I, I walked in here and it was like coming home. It was like coming home. And many of you, I know that that's been your experience. That this has been a place of homecoming. This has been a place where you've experienced belonging and acceptance and, and been able to um, experience the kingdom as a place to call home. And so when the kingdom comes, there's belonging. There's a homecoming. And then lastly, when the kingdom comes, there's joy. Uh, There's joy, uh, the joy for all who mourn or despair. He says, I will bestow on them the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise and not a spirit of despair. Where the kingdom is, there's a joy a joy that becomes our strength. And you know, the people of God should be the happiest people in the world, shouldn't they? <laughs> um, it's just some of us need to let our faces know. Um, John Tyson, who leads a, a church in New York City, he, he says that, that Christians should be the loudest people in the restaurant. Because we have a responsibility to show the world what real celebration looks like. So where the kingdom is, there's joy. Real joy. 
And so over the next seven weeks, we're going to unpack those things a little bit more. And um, you're going to be hearing from lots of different folks who are going to be sharing this teaching series with us. We're probably not going to do it in the same order that we did it this morning. I did it in that order because it fits Isaiah 61. Okay, see what I did there. <laughs> um, um, but what we, what we really want to do is we want to focus on this idea of seeking first the kingdom. And we can only seek first something we fully understand. We only can seek first something we fully grasp. And, and that's the journey that we want to go on. That, that as we describe the nature of the kingdom, we begin to understand what it is that we're seeking and we're not seeking first the kingdom just for our own benefit. Um, you know, we're, we're seeking first the kingdom for the benefit of others as well, aren't we? We're seeking first the kingdom for the benefit of our city. Last week, we were, we were saying, you might remember that, you know, just building a great church is too low a goal. It's not a good enough goal. That that actually our goal is to play our part in building a great city. And so when we pray for the kingdom to come in Northampton, as it is in heaven, we're praying that these things would happen, aren't we? We're praying that Northampton would be a place of God's presence. We're praying that Northampton would be a place where justice is done. We're praying that Northampton would be a place where the sick are healed, where people experience salvation, where people have peace, where people belong and people are full of joy. Because that's what it's like when the kingdom comes. That's what happens when the kingdom is at hand, when the kingdom is near. And that's what we look for. That's what we hope for. You know, as we, as we think about where the Lord has us, you know, that he's put us in this weird-shaped building uh, in, in the middle of Northampton, I think it's for a purpose. I think it's for a reason. And it's not so we can build a great church, but it's so we can build a great city. And that's what we want to do. And so, I've got no idea what the Lord wants to do now. Um, maybe my wife can help me. Um, but we're just going to wait on the Lord's presence and, um, and figure out how we respond to him this morning. So I'm just going to pray. You know, we've got a prayer. We haven't got much liturgy in the vineyard, but one bit of liturgy is a simple prayer, which is, Come Holy Spirit. And... Um, and so I'm just going to pray, wherever you are, just respond to the Lord as you need to. But 